0: Good evening, Rob.
1: Good evening, Greg.
0: We're just waiting for our very, very important person to turn up.
1: I'm, I- I'm here. I've arrived.
0: No, you, you flunk our VIP guest. Yeah. Okay. Oh, our VIP guest has turned up. VIP hey. guest, good evening. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> who, who am I talking to? You have myself, Greg, and Rob, my business partner.
2: Holy cow! You guys have accents, so it's, can
0: you understand
2: us? Yeah, I, I can. I got it. I got that. There's Greg there, and who's the other fellow? Rob? Rob Collins? Rob, it's me, okay. Jim. good. I got you. I'm just gonna Todd. Are you good? I'm just talking to my guy. Todd, are yeah, you all you know then. okay? Hey, let me know. Okay, good. Sounds good. Bye. Uh, so this is uh, this is strictly microphone, no, no, no video. No, just, just audio, Jim. Okay, good. I wasn't sure
1: Sorry, Rob. Is it just like talking on the radio? The old wireless.
2: Yeah, perfect. Can you guys hear me well enough? It's not too echoey or anything? Or I'm too loud? No,
0: it's fine, Jim.
2: Okay, good. I I didn't have to
0: uh, brush my hair then. (laughs) Well, I haven't got any hair, so it doesn't really bother me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well that's okay that saves a bunch of work every morning trying to look pretty
0: yeah, we, do.
1: <laughs> we, do a, we do a cast each week called the fat and hairy roundup he's the fat and I'm the hairy
2: <laughs> I, I got I got some of it fat and hairy I think uh, one of you is fat and hairy or something like that I, I, you're going to have to make sure you talk quiet because your accents are going you know, to throw me as I uh, are, are talk slowly you you guys you definitely have accents. Okay. okay so Greg,
1: Greg, Greg is the uh, fat one and I am the hairy one.
2: <laughs> okay, good. I'll just be the old one
0: then.
1: <laughs> the old and it's very
0: the- famous one. How about that, Jim? <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I, I, uh, I don't
2: know that or celebrity stuff. I don't pay much attention to that. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: They, they say the best wines come out of older bottles. Uh, sorry, the best ones, what?
1: The best wines come out of older bottles. Oh, there you go. That, that
2: I, you Serious, you got an accent that I'm going to be going, What? <laughs> I, I thought you guys were supposed to speak the Queen's English, and here we're the <laughs> ones over here speaking it anymore. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the last time I was in the states and tracking and hunting there, uh, I tried to teach um, the guys in Texas and in Utah and Nevada and right there. I tried to teach them West Country English, which is what I am and what Greg is.
2: Yeah, how'd, how'd you do on that? Uh,
1: well, let's just say yeah, uh, one or two, one or two beers were shared, and uh, we agreed that we didn't understand each other.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. that you, you, Even the Texas guys would have been hopeless. Uh, Utah, you might have had a chance.
1: No, no, I've got a good friend. He's a professional trapper in Utah, a friend of mine and Greg's, and uh, I was there trapping with him um, and tracking uh, with the Cherokee Indians as well. One, wonderful time. Uh, oh, no, that's I love cool. spending time with native people. I've got a real passion for native people, no matter where I go in the world.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one, Uh I, I'm that's a big part of what I've done uh, on all of our television and whatnot is the cultural side is more important to me actually than the hunting you know what you're looking for. But I love the culture.
1: Oh yeah definitely this is the culture yep uh, you know from from the plains of Africa to the deserts of Arizona' it's, it, native people have been native people the world over and have taught me many things. Yep, yep I agree. Right, and just this, for our this,
0: listeners, Jim, could you introduce yourself, please?
2: I, I, there's a whole bunch of noise or scruffling or somebody, some papers or something moving there. I d- didn't hear that. What was that?
0: For our listeners, yes. could you introduce yourself, please?
2: Okay. <laughs> if you're going to have to talk like that, I feel terrible, but uh, but I can understand, at least. Uh, Hey everybody, I'm Jim Shockey, uh Canadian outfitter, guide, author, curator, all kinds of things. Uh, and, uh, residing in the United States presently, but headed back to Canada here pretty quick.
0: Sounds nice. good. So, uh, Rob, you there? Yeah,
1: I'm here. I was just about to say. So... Uh... I was having a bit of a catch-up because i sort of followed i've been following you a very long time uh and i i sort of uh, look back and sort of look at your dad how was he your inspiration to be an outdoorsman uh not not
2: so much i mean dad dad grew up during the depression the, the dirty 30s we call it here, and uh you know had no money no shoes kind of thing uh, so so he worked hard his entire life and, and his, his you, you got a job and you stayed with that job and uh, he did for 45 years and then retired when he was 66 but he really didn't have time to do much with the outdoors uh, you know, hunting for him was, was uh, going to get a moose for us for winter because if we didn't get a moose, if dad didn't shoot a moose we didn't get meat for the winter we you know it was macaroni and cheese for us and not a lot of cheese Um, so so for him it was more um, you know the hunting was about providing meat and purely providing meat there was no you know there i wouldn't say there was uh, a higher abilities involved now that said he did do it with his uncles or my uncles his brothers Uh, so there was a, a measure of camaraderie that was, you know, was part of the hunting experience for me uh, nowadays. But he, there was such pressure on them to produce, you know, the meat, the, the moose for the winter for the families that it really wasn't what you'd call a um, a fun event. We called it the annual Shockey Moose Walk. I mean, we're serious about <laughs> it, and, and so. You know, I think if he would have lived in a different era, a different time, then he certainly would have been able to uh, explore the outdoors a lot more than he did, and he would have been a greater influence on me. For me, it, you know, I was just born to be catching bugs, or you know, chasing mice, or gophers, or rabbits, or you know, chickens. I, I I started that. That was my earliest memories. Was being that. Not, just doing it, but actually being that. So, you know, no, I think it was more innate than, than my father.
1: Uh, amen to that. I mean, my granddad was very similar to your dad um, and it's been passed down through the family. But again, he grew up in the thirties. I was talking earlier on about depression and um, no food. And my, you know, my grandfather knew what it was like to be hungry. Uh, and he always said to me, one thing he always said to me, he said, no matter what food was in front of you, eating because it's harder where there's none.
2: Yep, yep. Amen. And I, I agree with you 100 percent on that.
1: You know, so uh, you know, you know, my my spiritual side, he taught me, as well as a lot of the country sports which are handed down through the family and my father and you know, many generations. So when when I speak to people like you or ambassadors for the world of country sports. I have great pride because I grew up with that pride and with those heroes. And like I say, it was putting food on the table more than it was, you know, the conservation and really the other work we do now. It was making sure there was food on the table for a family.
2: Yeah, that, that's that's what it really was for my father and, and my uncles. Um, you know, they, they now, You know, they loved it. There's no question they would have spent all fall hunting if they would have had the luxury to do that uh, yeah they just did not have the luxury of of uh looking upon it as a, uh, something that's a pastime you know this this was this was yeah. part of their work for them and if they could get their deer on opening day of deer season i guess you guys call them stag down there um if they could get that deer in the first minutes of the season and back home to get back to work, you know, that was a successful hunt. Whereas nowadays, you know, if I can wait to the last minute of the season to get my, my stag or my deer, uh, I, you like. that a great successful hunt. So it was priorities yeah. in those days. And we have the luxury nowadays to, uh, to explore <laughs> the artistic side of it.
1: Yeah. that's what I mean, you know, nowadays we have a, have a luxury, um, yeah, you no. Know, I teach. I teach the young a lot. I head up an organisation called Pass It On Young Sports, uh, and I teach uh, outdoorsmanship. We call it countrymanship yep. over here. Outdoors over here, we and uh, it's something I teach them is to enjoy nature, um, to become a good hunter, a good conservationist. You've got to understand it and be part of it.
2: Yep, I I agree. You can't you can't be a voyeur looking from the outside, and you certainly. Can't be living in in a high rise in a downtown London or downtown Toronto or New York City and be judging or making value judgments on the, the country sportsmen or sports people that that you know they're the ones that are the heart and soul of conservation these days. So you know you know it Thank you. Thank you. that we need to be involved and people need to be involved with the outdoors. I know it because that's what. We do. That's who we are. But people outside that are looking in, it's very difficult for them to understand that you have to be part of it. You have to take part of it. Otherwise, you're a voyeur looking in, and you really don't have a right to, to uh, pass judgment or even actually to voice, uh, voice, I guess, not an opinion. Anybody can have an opinion, but uh, to try and activate your opinion if you don't understand what it is to be an outdoorsman or a country
1: sport like you guys I mean Greg will tell you I spend probably 85-90% of my time outdoors um you know, professionally as well. That's, you know, but I also volunteer my time for colleges, schools, uh, universities. And I go and do a talk um, as well as several other lectures and different things on big cats and different things. Um, But one of the talks I do is called the cogs in the machine talk. And it explains that I'm a countryside engineer. Like you're a countryside engineer for your ecosystem, your areas, no matter whether it's Africa, the Antarctic or or Cornwall in, in England, it's the same thing. And Every animal, plant, tree, insect, wildlife fauna has its own size cog. It has to be the right size for that system for that area. Yep. It's my job to keep those cogs in the right size. And when there's a wrong cog in the machine, it's my job to take it out and keep the machine well oiled and running.
2: Huh, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm taking notes. I, I may uh, bore your <laughs> your terms here. I, I love it. Uh, cogs in the machine, well, you know, um, countryside engineer. That's you. You're you're. Bang on on all that, and that's what the people, the urban, you know, people don't understand is that every wild animal, every species,
3: is managed
2: nowadays. Everything, from grasshoppers right up to yeah. whales, and, and that management requires what well, you call it, countryside engineering. I, I think it's awesome. I, like I say, I may borrow it. Uh, we haven't heard those terms over here. Neither have we heard the the country ports. Uh, again, I, I think it's uh, I think it's, because it differentiates what we do from, you know, going downtown to watch a, a, a grand opening of an opera or a ballet, you know, which is all wonderful. We don't pass judgment on those people that do that in the big cities, uh, urban centers. But by the same token, you know, we're not telling them that they should be doing Swan Lake instead of, you know, I don't know, name another ballet. Um, yeah, it's not. We don't. We don't tell them what to do and and how to how to do a pas de ou a a pirouette or position one, two, three, four. I mean, we don't tell because we know we're not experts at it, but we are experts at engineering the outdoors and and managing the wildlife populations of the world. We're experts at conservation. That's what we do.
1: This is something that was taught to me from a very young age, that country sports hunting, shooting, fishing, country sports, and conservation walk hand in hand you cannot have one without the other
2: yep i agree i agree
1: you guys you guys are you're,
2: you're i mean we have a great wildlife management uh over here in north america it's been working well for a hundred years but you've you been around for a lot longer over there in, in great britain and it's uh you know you're kind of i, w- I wouldn't say ahead of us in terms of um How things are being managed but you're certainly ahead of us in terms of population and space and and uh, you know there's a lot we can learn from you you know watch what you're doing over there in in, uh, great britain like i say i'm i'm taking notes here so this is this is maybe a podcast where i'm the guest but in fact i'm i'm taking notes and you guys are the teachers today
1: well i'll tell you what i'll extend the invitation if i get one of these days i'll be i will make it to canada i've got a lot of friends and family over there i've got a cousin of mine runs the english carpenter.com over there he's a- very talented, You've got fantastic business. Um, I've been invited over so many times but I've yet to get to Canada. My brother's been and he loves it. My secretary's been and she loves it. The closest I've got is, is the States but I always seem to end up in the States for some reason. No,
2: oh, you're, you're missing it. you got to make the journey north a little bit and uh, come to Canada. If you get over all the way to the west coast to British Columbia, uh, Vancouver Island is a 400 mile long island off the coast. That's where I live and that's where our hand of man museum is it's it's the uh, hand of man museum of natural history cultural arts and conservation and uh
1: that seems absolutely wonderful yeah if i make it over i'll drop you we'll, we'll have a coffee or a beer or something yep
2: no uh, or a beer i don't know i will have we actually have our beer cold over here in canada and north america so you have to try a cold beer for one exactly
1: exactly we how you like it <laughs> It's exactly as I like it, Jim. Cold beer. I don't like warm beer. Yeah,
2: good. We're, we're in the same boat on that one too then.
1: I think the last time I was in uh, Vegas or something, and they had the worst beer in the world, and I said, have you got anything of decent strength and quality and taste of and something? I think it was called Molson's, the, the Canadian beer. Right? Is that right? Yeah Molson's? yeah, Molson's
2: Canadian. Yeah, Labatt's Blue, Molson's Canadian. Yeah. Those are two classic Canadian beers
1: yeah well i enjoyed those very much nice nice and cold and uh that was when i was at the shot show in vegas when i was doing a book sign in there uh what was that two years ago oh okay good um i was over i mean i spent quite a bit of time with the duck dynasty boys when i was there and had a good laugh and a good chat and a good catch up
2: good who who was that with sorry your accent again
1: i was with um the duck dynasty boys i was chatting a lot with them when i was there um chase robertson okay yeah 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 yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, I was, you know, I, was, I spent a lot of time there in Vegas with so the show. I was there for five days and yeah. um, book signing and TV interviews and all sorts of things. Yeah,
2: I've attended the shot show for almost 30 years straight, other than this year was cancelled.
1: Yeah, no, I missed this year. It was oh, well, last year, isn't it, now, really? Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, last year was there, but this year it was cancelled, sorry. Um, but yeah, yeah, I keep thinking I'm still in 2020
2: yeah t- twenty twenty was kind of a blank for all of us unfortunately
1: yeah yeah no one listen if you get to England, you look us up and uh, you're more than welcome to crash with me and uh, we'll go out and hunt shoot and fish and talk some conservation uh,
2: that's a wonderful invite and I'll take you up on it someday. Louise and I have been there uh to england i i was uh hunting on um, the uh Houston. It was it Houston estate uh the Duke of somebody was there. Um, I should know these things. I, am not up on my royal families and, and uh, entourage. But, uh, yeah. but it was it was wonderful. The culture again, fabulous. I mean, it's. Uh, we, we'll definitely come back and like I say, take you up on it. We won't crash on your, uh, crash in on you. But we'll we'll take a take a hotel nearby.
1: Yeah, that's all right. But if you want to stay, the spare room—the spare room's yours. You might have to sleep amongst the guns, but I'm sure you'll yeah, be alright. Yeah, I
2: can probably—I could probably survive that. I'd be eyeing <laughs> all your—all your guns.
1: Yeah, well, I have one or two. Greg will tell you because I'm actually a firearms dealer as well. So. Oh, awesome!
2: Well, you guys have the classics over there, so that's. Uh, I even had friends of mine that were um, over at—was it Rigby or? Um, one of the factories, anyway, they were pounded at the prices, you know. And they're not hunters, but they thought they were going to go buy a shotgun. Uh, what was it, uh, Holland and Holland? That's where they were. And,
1: Holland and Holland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he,
2: he said he he just his jaw just about fell open when he uh, saw the prices on on one of those shotguns. There. And I, yeah, I said, yeah, that's works of art. You, you want a Rembrandt or a Michelangelo? You're going to have to uh, pay for it. So. You guys have no, the best-made guns in the
1: planet. One of one of my favorite guns that I actually like to go filing with is a sixteen bore hammer gun called a Peterson's, in son of Peterborough, England, um, and it's circa eighteen ninety. It was made.
2: Oh, that's awesome! I mean, that that tradition. People don't realize that you know they they think hunting, especially like I say, the urban people nowadays. You know, hunting to them is something is just happening now and you know we go hunt lions or do trophy hunting whatever it is but they don't realize that you know hunting it goes since the beginning i mean all of us are here our antecedents mm-hmm. and our ancestors were great hunters we're the product of the greatest hunters that ever existed in this earth and and that this, this is you know it, it's history you know in 100 years that, but you can you could go out with a matchlock gun that's 300 years old, you know, flintlock that's 150, 170, and, and you know, yep. bow and arrows go back to whenever. You know, I don't know if I'd want to try using an addle or or a spear, but uh, you know, the tradition, the hunting tradition goes. It's, you know, we're humanity is steeped in in that hunting and outdoorsman tradition, and there's no denying, it. no matter no matter how they may want to themselves up we're, we're all the product of the greatest
0: hunters that ever existed exactly. yeah about fifty thousand years worth of experience behind us
1: yeah, yeah. just like, they, yeah. like the old joke they say is uh, vegetarian or vegan is an old tribal word for bad yeah. hunter <laughs> yeah you, you know what the thing is <laughs> we're, we're not even that much different from
2: the vegetarians or vegans I mean they you know the green living the organic uh, you know, table I mm. mean they, this is we've been doing this. This is how we live. I mean, I don't know if you guys have gardens, but uh, you know, we have a huge garden, an orchard, and a vineyard, and, and you know, we live, you know, field to table, literally. And while game is if you eat meat, it is by far and away the healthiest meat you can, you know, put in your. What do you guys call it? A gob? We, we...
1: yes. The gumper, <laughs> so, right? so... You you you. you... You're dead right. I mean, the, I, I mean, I do a lot of agricultural pest control. So I have a deal with farmers. They plant gardens and uh, we, we have a, quite a swap. And I mean, Greg will tell you, just last week, I mean, I got a great big box of vegetables. I went down, farmer said, you've done a good job for me, help yourself. And so I completely filled my boots, as yep. it were, uh, from the garden. Um, we just slaughtered a, hogget, a, a, a an older lamb called a hogget. Um, So I've got a whole hogget in there, Um, you know, it was a fair swap because I swapped in a whole deer for a whole hogget.
2: Oh, that's cool. I never heard that term
1: before. Hogget? Hogget. Basically, a lamb is up to 12 months old. 12 to 18 months is hogget, and 18 months and older is mutton. Ah, okay, I learned something new. That's... So my granddad says you learn something new every day. So there you go. It's a bit of a useless information. Yeah, I have. that's
2: not useless. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. That, but, but, you know, it, it, like I say, other than the actual eating of meat, which depending on whether somebody's ideologically opposed to it or think that it's healthier, you know, we're we're very close to the vegans, actually. I mean, that's how we live uh, yeah. other than the meat-eating part of it. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing how many true vegans or vegans, whatever they are, they, you know, they've come up to me and, and said, you know, listen, we don't have a problem with, with, you know, organic wild game. They're actually, if they consider not, or it consi- if they consider eating meat, that's what they would consider eating. So we're, we're almost there, you know, holding hands. We're just not, you know, so far we we just haven't, no one's crossed that, uh, that little bit of a divide, but uh, eventually I think we that we are very similar and we're we're, were the original organic green way of lifers?
1: Mm, yeah, that's exactly what I teach the kids. Exactly yep.
2: that. Yep, good. In your in your uh, pass it on, yeah. your pass it on program.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I get a chance, I'll send you an email or something with the details of the website. You can have a look for yourself and see some of the work we do. Um, I'm also a Freemason, and uh, I head up M- Masonic uh, Fishing Charity, huh. and that's all about teaching kids, um, disabled kids, uh, ladies who've had um, breast cancer, soldiers with PTSD. It's all about helping um, people into fishing, but also to help them with their problems. And we do focus a lot on the huh. children, because uh, there's a lot of children with major yeah, problems. Yeah.
2: good, good for you. <laughs> my my grandfather was a Mason. Uh, you know, I I don't know anything about it anymore. I mean, I. Of course read as much as i could and got into the illuminati and all that kind of thing but i don't know much about the mason honestly even though my grandfather was one but it sounds like you're doing great work
1: it's, it, it, the thing with freemasonry it, it's it's all about charity and and helping people and helping your fellow man i wouldn't be in it if it wasn't if it was anything other than that it would have nothing to do with it we do it all charity work everything is charity yeah, based yeah. oh good and, um, and the banner of belief in God if you don't believe in God you won't be a, you won't be a Mason, yep. So Yep, that's
2: again I'm learning learning more thank you we have to do I'll just call it my class and uh, I gotta tune in to you guys <laughs> and, and and learn get smarter
1: every day is a school yep, day brother I
2: agree and, and as long as that's happening then we're still living and alive and having fun
1: absolutely i'm i'm probably doing most of the talking and i'm pretty sure greg's baited at the bit to ask you a yeah, question that's fine
2: yeah i'm here so whoever ask away
1: Fire on, Greg.
0: right jim um i know ralph Lauren came and bought most of your stock of um artifacts and antiques and stuff but how did you come to start the antiques and artifacts please um
2: you know my my grandmother as I said we you know we didn't come from uh, from wealth at all we you know I grew up in a trailer park uh, when I was young and, and my grandmother she was an immigrant from the Ukraine um, and you know they, they had no money either so so she actually I'm going way back but this is starting an answer way back when but uh, she couldn't afford the catalog antique you know it wasn't antique in those days the oak fancy furniture she had the handmade nail together pine furniture that you know, my grandmother could make. So when she got enough money <laughs> later on and the uh, wealthy people were getting rid of their fancy antiques, uh, she, she started buying it at, at sales and, you know, she'd go to the garbage dump and pick these pieces out that the wealthy people were throwing away. It was all the stuff that she could not afford when she was young. And so I, I learned from my grandmother, by then it was called antique furniture. And, I learned to have a love of that kind of that type of furniture from her. She said, Why would you spend a thousand dollars for something brand new when you open the door you can't resell it for, you know, two hundred, but you can go buy an antique cupboard for two hundred and or if you buy it right, you can sell it for four hundred. It makes sense, right? Just retains its value. So I, I um sort of collecting antiques and then I learned about the, the primitive pine furniture, the country primitives. You guys didn't quite have that same vernacular over there. Uh, colors that, you know, that, that the ethnic groups from the Ukraine or Russia would paint their furniture. So the original colors on it, like we have Dukabor, Mennonite, Hutterite, Ukrainian, uh, Pennsylvania, Deutsch. You know, they, they were quite artistic decorating their furniture. And I... Started finding that my grandmother's Ukrainian heritage, when they came over, my grandfather made cupboards, like they did in the old country. So that became the furniture. That the stuff that she did not want, she wanted wealthy people's furniture. I actually um, started having a huge passion in in collecting the uh, handmade, nailed together, you know, dovetailed, but not by a a craftsman for the queen, you know that we're talking about somebody as good as they can nail boards together. You, me, you know, however, we can make it and then decorate it up, paint it for our wife or family. That's what I started collecting, and and it, you know, it was at a time back in the late 70s, early 80s that that furniture was becoming it became popular. Uh, uh, Country Living magazine in North America did. Three articles on my collections in those days. And as Ralph Lauren came in to my store, I had three stores in Vancouver, Canada, a warehouse and, and two stores, and, and uh, starting as Ralph Lauren country stores as opposed to Ralph Lauren polo stores. And he basically bought everything I owned uh, in my stores. For, and that, that is how I financed my first outfitting territory, how I financed changing careers from being an ethnocentric folk art dealer in you uh an outfitter um that, that was thank you ralph
0: loren what a story hey eh, rob
1: what a story i'll tell you what i will say jim is a uh, you're the inspiration i believe behind the primos trigger sticks. well
2: <laughs> mike mike powell used to be the vp of marketing for uh primos and and uh he asked me one day, like, yeah, we, we often talked and he said, was there something in our industry that is missing that we need? And and uh, I said, well, yeah, a good set of trigger sticks that are, are not a good, not trigger sticks, a good set of sh- shooting sticks that are functional as opposed to what's out there right now. It's They're too hard to use. They're not ergonomic. And, can't, you, you know, when <laughs> I'm walking up a mountain, I want to be able to use the whatever those shooting sticks are for a walking stick. Then I want to be able to use it for my tripod, for my camera, for taking photographs. Use it as a tripod for my spotting scope, you know, or my binoculars. You know, it, they have to be multifunctional, not just, you know, sticks that are hard to tighten up and hard to, you know, uh, adjust up and down. You're constantly fighting them. They they weren't practical, and so I gave them a prototype of a of a stick. I, I actually took one of the. Uh, uh shooting sticks was on the market in those days and butchered it up I, I turned it upside down and i adjusted this and you know and said this is what these sticks have to be able to do and it was at that time that i guess mike primos had met uh, an inventor that invented the trigger mechanism to make the adjustments up and down a lot easier and uh, so he put the two and two together and that's the that's the trigger sticks that you see all over the world nowadays
1: No, I well, I stocked them in the shop, but I I actually use them professionally as well. I swear by them. I love my generation gen three ones. Um, I mean, I use them professionally for for shooting everything from dealing with rats with air rifles right up to stalking the stag. Um, and like you said, turning mountains, putting the camera on, I do a lot of photography and filming. Um, they're one of those. I mean, my dad designed something very similar. I don't, two lots of different. I don't know
2: how how we we even, even. you know, nowadays I can't imagine not having my trigger sticks, and and people think I'm just saying that because you know I, I endorse them or license them or whatever. But but it's the truth. I, I you know we used to hunt without them and shoot offhand or try and get a rest against a tree or you know and now I just it's a piece of the equipment no, that not. I like my binoculars. <laughs> I just I, I couldn't hunt without them. I don't know how I could anymore.
1: You're a man after my own heart you just said binoculars because that's one of the things i teach i say one of the best bits of equipment you cannot go without is a good yeah, set of binoculars. you have to
2: have them that that and a hunting knife and yeah. and uh the tool yeah. uh, trigger sticks and and binoculars and of course whatever firearm you want to use uh I, you know those, those mm-hmm. are the fundamentals you know everything else is you know you, you have to but it's you have to things. have you have to have the good optics,
1: the binoculars, and. Oh, I mean, I said, and talking about hunting knives, um, I've just designed my own knife because I'm I'm known as the old hedge creeper, okay. my media name, uh, and that's now in production and press and everything else. And Greg has just designed his own knife called the Countryman, and we've got a uh, one of our clients, uh, ADG Custom Knives, are now making our um our own, knives, our oh, own really knife. Oh, that's really
2: cool. I mean, you know, every hunter and every outdoorsman is interested in knives uh, you know when i when i do a media post about mm. knives it, it's amazing how many you know responses and comments you get everybody all of us are knives are ancient i mean ancient that, without a knife you know fire yeah. and a knife we were in trouble you know and and so you know knives are i think that's i right? think that's great that you uh designed them I, I, myself, I switched over to using Havilon, the um, disposable blade, scalpel blades, basically. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge yeah. believer in those, in those knives, uh, just because they're so sharp, because I'm a, a horrible sharpener, knife blade sharpener. My, my father, my grandfather would, saying this right now, they, they'd roll over in their graves. They're, you know them you had to sharpening a knife or an axe that you just weren't a man unless you could do that properly and i you know i guess i'm not a man because i never i uh, could never do it well
1: oh if you ever come over me and greg will give you a lesson i was brought up the same way and uh, people cringe when they see me sharpen a knife because when i test it and i shave the hairs on my arm or whatever i say a blade yeah, should yeah. sing and then uh, they're, like, what do you mean a blade should sing and i say listen and I blow
2: across
1: it, it goes, yeah. mmm. an cool. and he goes that's
2: that's the real part of hunting that mm-hmm. you know someone like I, I, I keep bringing up the urban centered you know people but, but you know we've urbanized now for almost 70 years over here in North America certainly and probably started earlier over there and you know they've lost with that kind of thing that that yeah. soul of hunting I mean, you know our ancestral soul you know just what you just said is exactly what hunting is all about. You know, it's not about killing an animal; it's it's about knowing that your knife blade should sing. I mean, that, that's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, as a as a countryman or an outdoorsman, as you guys say, you know, we we have the same passion. Something I've learned: I've been all over the world. I've spoken to and hunted and fished. I mean, one of the best places I really enjoyed hunting, believe it or not, was in court on the island of Corfu in Greece. And I was there with the Greek hunters. And uh, Greg knows this story. I On the very first morning, they wouldn't let me have a gun and quite rightly so they didn't know me from Adam I was just someone who was there and was friends with one of them and uh, so I joined them on the hunt and they were hunting mountain hare with the uh, basically a bit like you would with the hounds over there with the blue tick hounds and things yeah. like that you were hunting um, and uh, we were and of course I never had a gun or anything like that and so I was like oh well now look round and there's some pebbles I was like mountain pebbles like, oh, do. I'll grab a cut of them You know, perhaps I might be able to turn a hare or whatever if it bolts for the shot well these hounds flushed we were high up on a Greek mountain on this road, and he flushed his hair between two bramble patches. Well, one hunter mounted his gun at the same time as I. I let loose with this pebble, and I and I wouldn't. I'll say it's more luck than judgment that I hit the hair But I, I smacked him square in the back of and bowled him over, and the, the Greek hunter shot him in the back end with a shotgun, and uh, then the dogs got him.
2: Yeah, that's. I mean that that's super cool. Uh, I love the stories. eh? that that uh, I I hunted in Greece as well, but I was on the island of Sapienza. And I was hunting Greek Cree, Cree, Cree birds yeah. on that island. That, that uh, yep. I loved it there. I I think people are are very surprised when you tell them that Greece is is a great place to hunt. What 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 was it? What was it you're hunting there? I missed I missed the.
1: Sorry, we were hunting mines okay. and hare. Hare, so okay. a bit like your yep. jackrabbit.
2: Yep. I haven't. I the small game over there, no, but I I'd, I'd love to, but. Uh,
1: yeah, well, I, would, I would like to have hunted the deer, the fallow deer they've got there. Um, they call it by their Latin Dama, name, Dama the Dama. Yeah. Dama. Um, Dama Dama. But unfortunately, uh, part, of the re- part of the reason I was in Greece was that I was there visiting the Grand Master's Palace of the Knights Templar, which I'm also a Masonic Knights Templar. Um, and I was there and they, the, 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 the deer there are sacred. They don't, huh. they don't hunt them. Interesting.
2: I didn't didn't realize that. Are they are they yeah. native the fallow deer to that part of the world? They were probably introduced, eh, from Persia. Well, the, the,
1: they were introduced, but what I what I understand is it was a certain bloodline, um, which is now I think are extinct on the mainland in and only yep. exist on yep. roads.
2: I think that's uh, that's what I heard too. Huh
1: But but, they, but those deer, believe it or not, they. they they are very dark. The, uh, the, the fellow bucks are really, really dark and they are absolutely huge. Uh, you know, when I saw one, I was like, wow. Huh. That's deep. Yeah. You know, because I've hunted there all over, but those yeah, were something that, special.
2: Uh, I, I, I've had the the honor and the privilege of being able to hunt with the world and, and uh, many of the, the native species in the habitat. And uh, it's. Uh, it's really interesting how you know, like your story is talking about greece and, and the hunters there hunters are worldwide and we're kindred spirits that ride together maybe there was only 10 percent of the original population of human beings that were the actual hunters that were the providers you know for, yeah. the, for the villages i mean and that's fair enough because everybody couldn't hunt you had to have somebody doing some of the other jobs and chores so you know it's. It, it, it's interesting how Absolutely. I still think there's ten percent of them there that are still hunters around the world and it doesn't matter. You know, you on your you know, the Greek islands or you can be in Liberia or you, you can be down in Tasmania. I mean there's hunters there are hunters and the world is, is like I say, they're they're everywhere.
1: So there's something I've learned wherever I go in the world. Two things are international that I've found. One is hunting, and
2: the other <laughs> is rugby. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I might, I might, uh, I might question the rugby part. Uh, just be from where, where I grew up, we we were pretty crappy <laughs> rugby players. I, I actually, you know, my, my, a my, just a little quick story on rugby. My son and I, um, well, we had we had one of my cameramen was from New Zealand. Uh, of course, the All Blacks are great. A, team and, and uh a few years back they had the the world rugby championships i guess they do it every four years and uh, canada qualified yep so my uh <laughs> my son and i bet that canada would win the uh we placed a bet an actual bet ten dollars and if we were i think the payback was something like twenty five thousand dollars was was the of canada ever <laughs> of winning the world championships and uh our, our, our little friend Maddie Gibson, who was our cameraman at the time from New Zealand, he was just giggling. Why would we throw away ten dollars? But it was—it wasn't that. It was the principle of supporting the Canadian rugby team. So we, yeah. we we lost.
1: Yeah, you've got, you've got, yeah. But you've got to have national pride I, I from agree. wherever you're from. Yeah. This is something that I I've, I've always said to people. When see people like in this country, they'll say, like you said, we have accents. People say, oh, I hate our accent, I hate my accent, I'm from Liverpool. I said, you should never hate where you're from, yeah. you should be proud of where you're from. That is where your bloodline and your roots lie. Absolutely. So be proud of where you're from. And and showed it from the language, yeah. so, My yeah. my, my, uh, my accent, I'm very West Country, so I, eat my I want to try some apples then, my boy. Now, you probably didn't understand that, but that's a real West Country <laughs> you, you accent. You said
2: something about you were a bunch of apples or something like that, I couldn't understand.
1: I said I'll be on which means how are you how about about some apples Uh, my boy
2: I I would uh, there's no way
0: there's no way so yeah you know Rob, I think we're going to have to have subtitles
1: on these shows, you know. <laughs> the one thing, the one thing we must, one, one thing we must teach Jim while we're here is the word "mucker." M-U-C-K-E-R. Okay. I know the
0: word. Isn't that part?
2: Isn't that a rugby player
1: it? or something like that? No, 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 no. mucker is west is, is west of England or friend.
2: Where?
1: Mucker means friend.
2: What? Better spell that because I can't even understand what mucker what mucker is supposed to be. Flynn.
1: Friend. friend F R
2: I E N D. Friend. 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 Yeah.
1: Friend. So if I put my thumbs up and said, "Proper job, mucker," it means good uh, job, cool. my friend.
2: I'm am t- am t- literally taking notes. Eh? just so I so I can remember all this stuff. <laughs> That's quite. Awesome.
1: If you go on my, if you go on my website, you yeah, have to yeah. ask for translation. Yeah, you
2: got to have. I have, and I've said it before we started the interview that uh, we still speak the Queen's English over here, and you guys have turned it into uh, the muckers or, 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 or and the apple thing. <laughs>
3: the, the Queen yeah, understands yeah, I'm sure the I'm implicit. Yeah, well,
2: hey, listen, you guys. The Beatles came from <laughs> Liverpool, so he, you guys are way above all of us on in terms of language. Well, those guys were were genius. So, I'm. I'm...
1: Oh yeah, the Be- the Beatles were great. I mean, you know, I love. In fact, I've just inherited my granddad's uh, record player and his wow, Beatles albums. Wow, that's cool. And, on vinyl. Awesome. I've got them all on vinyl, as well as many yeah. others. Uh, but you know, one of my the music I really yeah, love is country music.
2: You're you're about two
1: thousand
2: miles away from the heart you know, of I it. I
1: love I love country music. I know the dream is to go to Nashville one day and uh, maybe play uh, my guitar yeah, very badly.
2: Few, I probably, maybe you didn't know this, but uh, <laughs> in two thousand eighteen, October of two thousand eighteen, I I wrote a song and I recorded it. And uh, released it. It went to number one on the iTunes Blues charts, uh, and it's it's not a country song, but it's definitely a bluesy song. You you'd uh, you you'd get a you get a giggle if you listen to it. Uh, it it's a song. It obviously, it just went to number one. If you know that James and the Blues Brothers and Can't He? It's uh, the song yeah, is yeah, yeah. Howl with Me. Um,
1: how I don't think I've heard that.
2: It was uh, quite a popular song back in October of 2018
1: Greg I'm pretty sure we played that a link of that on, the, on our radio station when we were running the radio station
0: quite possibly but I was just going to say on about playing music we were chatting to a friend of yours Mr. Alan Smith oh, for well, a podcast it, the other week he probably called Did himself
2: you? my mucker but he's actually he's I would admit to being friends with Alan <laughs> He, he's uh, Alan, Alan. is a is a dear mucker of mine, and uh, he, did I use it? did I use that? Right? He's learning, Rocky. <laughs> okay, good.
1: Yeah. He yeah, you are yeah, a fast
2: well, learner. Jim. Like yeah, uh, yeah Alan Al, or Elaine, as he likes to call himself. He's uh, he's uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's he's a he is a good musician, um, but to be fair, he's never had a number one hit song, so. You know he's 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 a good journeyman. I don't, you know, he hopefully someday he'll he'll yeah get, be enlightened and inspired and come up with a good song. But uh, yeah, him and I, yeah, he, we uh, we often are the MCs of different banquets and whatnot up on, on stage, and it's uh, we take a lot of cheap shots at each other. And that, I guess that's what you know. When you're good friends with somebody, you. you accept it and you hand it right back
1: exactly but the thing is is here we call it taking the mickey having a laugh and I always I always say to people if I am not taking cheap shots at you it means I don't like you that's that's exactly
2: right it's it's, uh, my wife the first time she saw my father and I talking and and we were you know just giving each or taking the mickey out on each other or whatever you say we we she was horrified how can you talk to your yep. father like that you know you got it because i was making fun of his his cheeks, cheeks were drooping as he was getting older which mine are doing now and uh, you know and you got to treat him with respect i said that is respect if i treated him less than that if i didn't do that you know take the mickey out of him uh he, he would he would wonder what, what's wrong what's wrong you know he, he it's just it's 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 a, it's a endearment. Yeah. It's respect. It's uh, something we do. You know, country, country men do that. I mean, that's what we do.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, my dad and I. Um, I mean, my secretary says, "I can't believe you two. You, what you two? Whenever you're together, it's just like World yeah. war starting. Now we're just having a laugh. Now, last night he was helping me on a job. We were dealing with a rat job on a waterway. It was a conservation job, and we had to shoot these rats. And he had this um, head torch in his pocket, and he hit the button, but he didn't know how to turn it off, and it was it was like a laser light disco going off. So I nicknamed him <laughs> Disco Bob.
2: Yeah, and that you know that's that's what we do. I mean, it's not a it, nowadays. You know what's really sad is you know in the way our I don't know what what it's like over there uh, in your guys's world, but uh, over here. people get offended by anything so you you know you take the mic out of somebody they they sit down and cry i mean it's it's kind of sad that we've lost uh well i don't know the self-confidence to know that hey you didn't hurt me you just you you were making fun and i can make fun of you back and and you know what we all have a good laugh and have a, a beer afterwards i mean it's you know like i say people are just so I don't know, soft. We're headed. We're headed in a yeah. direction where, where you you just can't say anything. The politically correct police won't let you say something like that. You know, someone disco Bob is probably, you know, not allowed. You can't say that for whatever reason because it offends all the bobs in the world or the. Dis- who, who
1: knows? I, I, like, Greg will tell you, and then and when you get to meet me one of these days, mate, I'll tell you what: I am not particularly corrective. And, well, it usually comes out, and I'm not good with the snowflake parade.
2: Yeah, I usually well, get that, it with both barrels. Yeah, if you follow me on social media, my wife says I stir the pot all the time. I, I, yeah, I, I it, it's just tiring. I mean, it's tiring that stuff in it. Sustainable, and it's just a fad, yeah. you know, because you can't run the world with with uh, people being worried about every single thing they say, and everybody else thinking that they, you know, getting one up on the person by calling them out for saying something. I mean, it's ridiculous, and it's, it's, it doesn't make good.
1: Community. Exactly. Well, this is a true. St- this is a true story from yesterday. One of my, and Greg, Greg messaged me. I was on the job, and, I, and he said, "You better pick up your phone. Big Rob's trying to get hold of you." And I'm, and I'm like, "Why does he want to get hold of me? What's the problem?" He said, "He's going to kill you." I'm like, "Oh God, what's he?" Now, when I say Big Rob, he's like six foot plus, and he's got arms like my legs. And I'm like, "Oh God, what's the matter with him now?" And uh, so I phoned him up. And I said, "What's the matter?" He said, "I'm going to kill you." I said, "Why? What have you done now?" And um, <laughs> it's a long story about him having to rescue some pheasants of mine that he's catching up, and that some of the pheasants had the uh, netting around their feet. So he took his knife out, snipped them off, put the knife down at this point, and the cock pheasant came up and tried to have a little bit of a bully to with him, and he said, get away. And the pheasant picked up his knife and ran off with his knife. But that isn't where it ends, because he went to pick up another pheasant, and he couldn't find his knife, and he knelt down, and the blade went straight through his knee. And he hurt his shoulder, and then he turned up to tell me this, and I said, why are you turning me up and telling me you were a delicate flower?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's...
1: That's a, that's a true story from yesterday, absolute true story. He phoned me up and, oh, you know, awesome. big bob wants a girl. I kill mean, me. I love
2: it. That, that, this, These kind of stories, I mean, you think you're going to hear these stories in uh, downtown London, a coffee shop, or Starbucks in New York City? I mean... Yeah. You, you, People have lost. they lost touch with, no. with you know, I don't know the ground, the earth, with who we are, with what brought us to the dance, and, and
1: they'll probably talk about how creamy their latte is or how chocolatey yeah, their mocha is or something or whatever.
2: and all that stuff. That, I mean, that,
1: I, don't know, I walk into a coffee shop yeah. and go, "I just want a coffee."
2: Yeah, well, you better be careful. <laughs> We're, we probably just offended a bunch of coffee drinkers right now, or. Mocha, mocha drinkers, or whatever they are. It, yeah, it.
1: I've got, Greg will tell you. I've got skin like a rhino and a nose like one. If I have to, you got a
0: face like one too, Rob.
1: Yeah. You look. You're, you're, hey, if you ever see you, you look like bloody Shrek.
0: Oh, that's all right, I don't wrong with being like Shrek. They got layers.
1: Yeah, as my old man would say, the only thing missing is the bolt in your neck. Yeah.
0: Well,
1: wow. it's already there, isn't yeah. it? That's it. So how's She's being a great.
2: grandfather
0: I mean, treating wonderful. you then? We, we have
2: four grandchildren now and uh, you know, the COVID thing has, has put a big crimp on everybody's visiting and families getting together and whatnot. But uh you know, thank goodness for FaceTime and Zoom and all those kind of good things because you know, we, we can still Stay close and touch with with our grandchildren. But it, it, you know they're they're still a touch young. <laughs> our oldest is four years old, um, Lenny Bow. So they're, they're just getting to the age where I can get my hands on them and get them out fishing and and sleep and everything else. You know, get them in the outdoors. That's lovely. Uh, you know, and and to be fair, you know our, our yeah. son and daughter Eva and Brandlin with them, they are definitely oriented towards the outdoors so you know they out out there as well but uh there's some things that grandfather can teach them that uh, or a big Baba, as i'm called can teach them that uh, the parents aren't allowed to teach so i'm, I'm looking forward to the next three years <laughs> i
1: hear you there sir i hear you there there's no there's you know children and grandchildren and biggest best thing about grandchildren yeah. you can handle yeah, back
2: exactly and, and that's uh we we do that we, we don't give them a bunch of sugar or anything but uh we we, we cer- certainly yeah. you, you know there's a reason you don't we're my wife Louise and, and i are in our 60s now and uh, there's a reason you don't have at that age i mean they are full of energy and and if we have Lenny Bow for three or four days I mean we're exhausted at the end of it so it's uh, give a, give give the grandchildren back and uh, yeah. Yeah, we can go sit sit in our rocking chairs and watch the sunset and relax
1: yeah, Fall fall asleep before it happens I know yeah, I know, exactly I've been, you know I've got right. the t-shirt the <laughs> i got a yeah. I got a question i got a question for you Jim now uh, I see you're a pretty well-ranked person in the Canadian well, Armed Forces. Yeah, and yeah. Lieutenant we're Colonel. on
2: your, the British system, and I guess you know what I learned is that uh, the troops can select a commanding officer, or a, 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 I guess a, a an equal to the commanding officer, and and uh, you. I think they did it way back when in the British system, so that you you know, a, a duke or some. Of you know, of wealth and class could get a um, a station in the military, but they would be expected to pay, you know, for the the troops' the wages. I think that's why they originally started it. But you know, top on the shoulder saying, you know, the yeah. workers over here in Canada, which are an irregular force, um, that you know they want you to become their honorary lieutenant colonel, which. You know, it, it, it's all the you know full uniform, uh, full authority of a of a lieutenant colonel, except on a field of battle, I had to defer to the actual commanding officer, lieutenant um, colonel of, of the Rangers, the force, uh, Canadian Ranger Patrol Group was my my. Group. So yeah, I, I served six years, and, and uh, you know, I'd like to say that I, banks and earned you know all the all the, um, you know, that I got, but, but in fact, it was bestowed upon me and, uh, but you know, you do what you can. And, and, uh, I guess in the way I serve my country. I, I, uh, not certainly not to the level of the men and women that go over there and are putting their lives on the line, but, um, but it was, it was, it was really a humbling you know, um, and you know i was honored that experience so yeah, still you know i i hold a goal
1: yeah you know we all serve our different yeah. countries in different ways you know so you know great and nothing takes it away from those guys and girls that go out there and serve and fight on the front lines and everything else but i can well, say you serve i, so, I, uh, I was over in Afghanistan
2: serve. as well we you know into Kabul and went to all the Canadian you know the forward operating bases and all, i was actually there uh, of the American military. Um, so, you know, I mean, I've I've, I've I've been here and there and done my bit for, for Canada. I've spent a lot of time in side to side, top to bottom of Pakistan and Iran and Tajikistan, all those wonderful places over there. So, so I, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm the bottom line is I'm good on travel right now. I can, I'm happy to sit and watch the sunsets nowadays.
1: and yeah, no, I hear you there I hear you I, um, now I also understand you, uh, you weren't too yeah, bad at water well I
2: played for Canada for six years uh, I, I was uh, I was on the junior national swimming team and uh, I was an all-American swimmer uh, for the years of my college years and then I mm-hmm. I switched over to water polo made it on the Canadian national water polo team and yeah traveled the team for six years went to two world championships in one uh, in Ecuador one in Berlin and uh, then we, it, 82, yeah, exactly. 82 I believe. 80, uh, 82 was Guayaquil, Ecuador, 78. 78 was uh, Berlin, the World Aquatic Championships. Uh, then, yeah, you
3: 1980,
1: when, we boycotted on the Olympics as
2: well. So I didn't, but 1984, uh, they centralized the team to play for the Los Angeles Olympics. They wanted everybody to move out east, and I said, No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I was getting married. And I had a, I had a vision on uh, making a living in the outdoors, so I had to get busy on that. And I, you know, taking another year of my life to play water polo, I said, "Nah, that's I'm, I'm good on that."
1: Yeah, no, and, and I hear you on the dream. I, it's, I've been, I've done many things in my life, and it's pointing in one direction, but I'm now. Trying to live the dream, trying to make it there, um, yeah. as well yeah. as trying. That's to a responsibility the kids the we way. all
2: have. That uh, if we grew up with the outdoors as part of our life and the country as part of our life, then you know we have a responsibility to educate as many of the youngsters coming up as we can. Like I said, <clears> I'm, I'm impressed with your pass it on program. That's I, I look forward to learning more about that.
1: Yeah, look it up. It's um. Pass it on, uh, .co.uk. Um I can't remember Perfect, the full yeah. title because my secretary takes care of all that. Um, but it's all the website and on there. If you, if you Google Pass It On or, or the old hedge creeper, it'll all come up. Um, you know, it's, it's there. Uh, like I say, it's been a. I was talking about this earlier this evening to my secretary. She asked me a question. She said, Why do you suffer so badly to make sure every kid gets a chance? And I said, God created me that way. It's in my soul, it's in my DNA, whatever. Um, it, it's there as the good Lord intended me to. And it'll be my time to leave this yep. earth when I've yep. completed and my it, job.
2: You know, that's, that's never truer words mm-hmm. were said. And it's a responsibility we, we all have. And when you look at it historically, there is a reason that we feel this innate need to pass on the knowledge of the old words. And the love, the appreciation, conservation. <laughs> there's because that's what brought us to the table. There's been more hunter-gatherers, human beings, than there has ever been, you know, today, uh, in this world, uh, that are vegetarians or, or you know, call ourselves nowadays. I mean, there, w- there was nine. What is it? Ninety billion of us were hunter-gatherers, and there's only been about eighty billion of us, you know, that have that were living agrarian culture. I mean, that was only 10,000 or 12,000 years ago that we started that, you know, yeah. domestic wildlife or animals. And, you know, mm. most most humans have been hunter-gatherers. And there's a reason we feel we need to pass on the information because that's what we'd survive. If you didn't pass it on, there was no generational knowledge. You know, it, it ended. So, of course, we feel that. And, and uh, I think it's good on you for, for actually doing it. You know, a lot of people talk, but they
1: don't actually do anything. You, you. Yeah, that's what we say. Yeah. I always say, there's a lot of talkers, but very few doers. Um, I'm, I'm luckily, I'm gifted with yeah, both. You're... I can talk and do at the yep. same time. Good. Time. Oh, the good Lord bless me that way. Um, one another thing I teach is about the animals that we use. I mean, you know, for instance, a good hunting dog. Um, you know, when you're waterfowl hunting or whatever, a, a good, a good dog is a, is. It's totally yeah, yeah to I hunt agree. A, good a
2: lot dog. of, lot of you know, over here, there's kind of mixed mm-hmm. feelings about having hunting dogs, and you know that's just because people have never actually worked that close with hunting dogs. There, it's a main relationship, you know. That's relationship yeah. between humans and their, you know, their best friend, you know, dogs. I? I mean,
1: I'm, I, I mean, I bred hunting dogs for many years. I've, it, it was goes back in my family many generations, breeding the line um and my last one not the one i've got now, but my last one brooke my labrador uh she was one i bred she was one of six generations i bred um and we almost had i don't know what it was i I presume it was a spiritual connection of some kind or whatever i don't know but that dog knew what i wanted before i knew i wanted it um you know it, it didn't have to command her. it just took a look she knew implicitly i mean greg will tell you this it was like we had a connection it's the same with my horses and the horses are just i Uh, have a connection
2: i I had 82 horses when i was Um, first uh operating my yukon territory you know it's 7.5 million acres in the north of canada not a single road not a single house yeah it's just cabins on different lakes and it's all airplanes flying only but we used to trail in horses. I had 82 horses, and uh, I'd like to say that there was some spiritual connection between me and those horses, but honestly, there really wasn't. I, I'm, I'm we we traded them all out for eight-wheel drive no. Argo amphibious machines now, and uh, I do miss the romance, the bells clinging and clonging in the mornings. I don't miss having to walk 20 miles in the morning to go find them. Yeah, you know, to get out hunting for the day. So. Yeah, and I, I, I don't mind. I I don't miss being kicked by them either, or dumped by them. but
0: uh,
1: <laughs> Yeah, we've all been there, Jim. We, we're in the up upside down in a bramble hedge, eh, Greg? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I spent a little bit of time with Monty Roberts uh, a few years for a few years ago, and uh we did some natural horsemanship and. uh I, I don't know. He, he said I have some sort of horse spirit or something. But um, horses, just horses and dogs, are the two things that oh. I've always had a spiritual connection with. Um, I don't know why. Ever since I was ever since I was a little boy, and there was a, a horse on my uncle's farm, he, he didn't like men, um, but he let me jump off oh, on his back and ride him around that, bareback.
2: That's a talent. There's there's absolutely people that have those kind of talents, and it sounds like you you have it. I, I never had that. I was never gifted with that. I, I was gifted with two feet that I could walk, but that was what
1: it is. I was just, I, I don't know, I just jumped up on his back. I think I was just young and impetuous and well, didn't the, think about the falling off and smashing my head.
2: You know, the horses, <laughs> they, know, they know what you're thinking about them. So.
1: Well, that... Uh, the funniest thing was I, I spoke about this last week. Is I was, <clears throat> was she was a very famous equestrian captain, and I went down to do a professional pest control job there with the foxes that were attacking a rare breed hens and things. And uh, I'm sat there, and she said, "Oh, don't worry about the white horse," he said. He won't go in the stables, he kicks the hell out of the stables and the doors and everything else. He said he'll just wander around the yard, but don't go near him, he doesn't like men, he hates men. I said, okay, fair enough. So I'm sat there and my friend left the passenger door of the truck open. He wanders over, took a sniff. I tickled his ear, he put his head in and, f- head in and fell asleep on my lap. When she came out to bring me a coffee, <laughs> there was his back end sticking out the side of my truck. <clears throat> with the horse oh, that- on his top sat on my lap asleep. I did I, I did. I did see the fox, but I do not shoot it because this would have took off and took my car you know, away.
2: it's just like I say. Some some people, um, some people just have it, you know, um, and others don't.
1: I, I I can. I can't put a pinpoint on it. I don't know what it is. It just. Yeah.
2: Well, like I, I say, know, it just my Argos and I get along great. <laughs>
1: The thing is, is you can yeah. just fill them up. We call we call horses hay burners, and because you're forever feeding them hay, they burn the hay. Um, uh, so uh, I think an uh, uh, internal combustion uh, in engine is a lot, sure as far is. But, you know.
2: I mean, we have to fly in gas for them, but uh, the horses we used to have to fly in oats and and uh, you know the hay, everything. It, it was everything was flown in, and, and every horse be flown in. So it was, and then you know it was a five day yeah. trail ride just to get from the trailhead to the first camp you know and and it's it's um i mean there's really some wonderful things about the horses in the wilderness but nowadays you you just you know time people are are more aware of time you know in those days they'd go in there for six weeks eight weeks three months sometimes Mm -hmm. and you know for a hunt uh, nowadays people want to fly in fly out and and you just you can't be looking for horses. You know, where are they? Well, they're gone. I got to go find them. It takes two days to locate them. It's um, so yeah. The for us, it's it's been a it was a, a smart move to switch to Argos from the horses. Although I do miss the romance of of the horses.
1: Yeah. No, I understand what you mean there, but practicality is is what it is.
0: Yes. Yeah, no here. So Jim, what is your favorite hunting caliber? Do you prefer a rifle over a bow if you use a bow? And where would you oh, like boy. to be deserted uh, just two
2: to have? Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of bigger is better. I you know, I I in terms of calibers, um, you know, I, where I spend a lot of time up in the Yukon, we can have a grizzly bear in our lap in seconds and, and if you have to stop a grizzly bear, you know there's no thing as overkill, so so I'm a big fan of bigger is better. I I've been using a 300 PRC as a Hornady uh, design caliber over here in North America. I don't know what what you whether you have that over there yet or not, or whether it'll make it over there. But uh, it's the equivalent of a 300 Weatherby uh, 308 Norma Magnum. Uh, what else? So I, I'm not sure what you guys have over. You know, make them the three hundred Holland and Holland for sure. are faster, um, so I, I like a big a big caliber gun. Um,
1: I I hear you there. Them grizzlies ain't yeah, small. No, and If one we, of them wants to charge, yeah, they can we've move had pretty, pretty issues fast. Issues
2: with grizzly bears up in our territory. You know, get killed up there and eaten by the grizzlies, and it's uh, it's uh, it's too tragic to even talk about here, but. Uh, you know, if, if a grizzly bear, you know, picks yeah. picks you out, you definitely wanna you you want to be able to stop the bear because the alternative is you uh, you get scratches all over you and, and bite marks and and, and uh, yeah, no, yeah so, so that's
3: uh, and that's why I,
2: I like a bigger a bigger caliber yeah, and it's faster right. you know if I need to shoot out 300 yards I can do that as well. Um, so so i like that uh second question i remember the last one what animal or where would i want to be deserted for hunting? what was the second question again uh bow yeah I, I shoot do you archery, shoot
3: muzzleloader
2: and uh and a rifle i i prefer if i have my druthers honestly uh pretty hard to beat uh, an archery hunt the skills that are involved um, in archery to get close to the animal that's you know that, that's a pretty special thing when you can get that close to the animal uh, anybody's heart races when you're archery hunting and the animals get you're 20 yards 20 30 yards very difficult to get inside an animal's defenses and then yeah. with a bow and arrow you still have to draw back which is a big motion and it's noisy and, and then release the arrow which is noisy and the arrow is slow you know it might you know a fast one might be 320 feet per second i mean an animal can jump string they can actually disappear out of the path of the arrow in that time that it takes an arrow to travel the distance to the animal from the bow. so you know archery i think a, a, a perfect archery hunt is probably the ultimate hunting experience um, you know that said you know it's not the most efficient way to take an animal you know the life of an animal it can be if the shot's perfect but you know everything has to be perfect you got to make sure that you know you're not pushing your abilities and not you know there is no envelope it's just you just don't shoot past this distance and the animal has to be broadside and can't know you're there all these variations that you know as long as you do that archery is great but but you can still hunt that way with a muzzleloader, for instance. I, I've hunted all over the world with muzzleloaders, and it, one shot, obviously a very slow bullet, uh, not a lot of energy. So you have to do it right. It has to be shot; has to be placed perfectly, like they would have had to do 150 years ago. And uh, so I, you know, I like muzzleloader as well. I, I still hunt yeah. with a muzzleloader as if it's bow and arrow. Uh, all the same skills for archery I use for muzzle loading uh, You know where the rifle comes in is it's it's pretty convenient. Yeah, that... to worry about rain and you're getting your powder wet. You, you don't have to get right up to the animal. You can reach out and, and uh, you know shoot at greater distances. So your skill level doesn't have to be quite as high on the hunting side, um, and it saves time. You mm-hmm. know nowadays we don't have as much time as we used to, and and uh, so if you have three days, if you're hunting in Iran, for instance, which I've hunted many times, uh, you know, everywhere in Iran, and you get three days to hunt a given animal, and that's it. You know, your hunt's over. So, you know, if you play around with a mud loader, it might take you a month. And if you try <laughs> with bow and arrow to sneak up on one of the, you know, a Kerman sheep over there or an Asfahan sheep, you know, you're you could take a year to get one animal and you have three days so that's where the rifle comes in and it's kind of nice to have and also for self-defense in the areas that I hunt it's good to have a rifle there not a bow and arrow on a situation so you know I, I'm a, I, you know I, I do all three you know,
1: I I would say you wear,
2: it's what I'd that? say
1: you wear a sidearm as well I should imagine
2: no, no, we can't See, do that would in say Canada. I you wear a sidearm
1: uh, as well. Canada has
2: very restrictive uh, handgun laws. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, right. I own several handguns, but you have to have a special uh, possession and acquisition license for that restricted firearms, and then they, they have to be kept in a you know, safe. There's all kinds of laws involved with owning a, a sidearm. Now, that as a guide i can apply for a permit to carry a sidearm uh, most people in canada don't know that but actually apply for that you have to apply for it every single year um, and it's quite onerous to get but then i could carry a sidearm and uh, the reality is the reality is sorry my my wife just brought came in with a uh, a beer um, she, I, I, Oh, I, was, I thought it was going to be uh, one in my hand uh, right video. <laughs> too, so I thought I better not have a beer, but I can do that now. And all you can do is listen to me swallow. Anyway, I don't carry a sidearm, but I could. <laughs> but most people in nope. Canada could not. wouldn't be allowed. Uh, to nope. Okay, I,
1: I didn't know the laws from Canada, but yeah, you know. But no, I, I concur with what you say about the the getting up close and as close as you can. I mean, something I pride myself on is that field craft. Uh, my granddad said you've got or taught me to say you've got to get as there close you as you can yep. to be able to that's, put some that, salt on the animal's that, tail. you know what?
2: That, that's the ultimate you know, in testing and, your and hunting skills. And it's the ultimate experience in hunting when you get that close to an animal that you, you actually with your abilities with your skills you beat their skills and their abilities you know and, and that's 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 pretty cool that like you called it field craft that's exactly what yeah. it is uh,
1: yeah yeah field craft. i mean i, I wrote a. Uh, i i'll have to have, ask greg which article it is i've written so many thousand now it's just it blurs but i wrote a, an article about um I believe it was called deer, deer, deer. I think Greg wasn't it when I stalked in um, on the, the silver buck.
0: I think so, yes.
1: And um, the the the, keep, the young keeper that I was training, um, the, the, the her ladyship who ho- who owns the estate said, "Look, that deer has got to go. It's destroying my ornamental flowers." And I said, "Are you sure, ma'am?" I said, because that's one of, because that is one of your silver medal deer. you know. She said, I don't care what he is. He's gotta go. He's eating my roses. So I said, okay. And uh he was right on the far bank up on a hillside and uh, sunning himself led out in the sun and the lovely prairie grass, um, which we call meadow grass, and um the only way round to him was round by the side of the wood, and the wind the wind kept changing on me, and my scent would go across them, and it was like oh but I remember it took me probably two hours to do 200 meters. Um, but I I stalked in, I stalked right past a doe asleep. I literally stalked right past her within 10 feet of her asleep in the a hedgerow, the roe doe, blackbirds and all sorts, of just inch by inch. I even had oh. a pair of rabbit, buck, buck rabbits fighting, run into my legs. And one, and one sit on my boot, just taking a breath and then carried on fighting. And I managed to get into within ten yards to the only place I could take the shot. Um, and then again, it was a, a, again I was on one knee, leaning through a hole in the hedge, to take a what? If he'd have stood up, he'd have bolted and gone. I couldn't have got the shot, and to take a ten-yard shot. So, uh, but I will say is after that stalk, I was physically, emotionally uh, drained, uh, sweat poured out of me and uh, the underkeeper actually said he said, I, I said I've sat here for nearly two hours watched yeah. you inch by inch it was like watching the wildlife channel on television uh, and by the time I mean, you all know what I mean by this because you bow hunting you've got to get in close I've bow hunted and uh, Tam will never <laughs> let me live that in the States because a Scotsman beat me but there we go um, and he, but to get in that close the adrenaline the heart you know you've got to control all your emotions and be at one with nature like I say it's one of my famous articles I know it's like, I Greg, will have to remind me which one it was, but um, just to get that there, the emotions afterwards, i I literally waved to him and said, "Bring the quad bike," and that's it. I'm sitting here and drinking this, cup, know, this it's, bottle of water, it's true. and i Any, Every hunter you knows exactly
2: you know, that feeling, uh, yeah. and, and uh, I mean, it's it's just ancient and primal inside all of us. You know, we have the ability, we we've lost the skills. You know. <laughs> frankly hunters have kept them, those skills alive and uh, yeah it's uh, if if the people in the cities would try it once experience at once they would all want to be hunters i mean I, you couldn't want to be uh, and that's whether you what do you got the animal or not is that doesn't no, it wouldn't, determine no. <laughs> the success and the feelings they're all there you know that's the final two yeah. sections it's not even an important part of it. Yeah, it's
1: you know. But, uh, I, I, get, I know you as yourself because you said earlier you love the photography and uh, to be able to stalk in with that field craft and that knowledge, just to take the shot with the camera gives you the same. I don't, I don't know what the word yeah. would be. Um, yeah, excels, elation.
2: It's a mode of Elation. I, yeah, I, you know, the only. One.
1: The only thing about that
2: about a camera instead of a you know trying to hunt the animal with a bow and arrow or a muzzle loader or whatever a firearm they you know you're kind of not part of of the whole cycle of life you know life we got death that's life we got death here when you're only taking pictures of it yeah. Yeah. it's like watching it on tv you know and when i i agree that you have the skills and there's certainly you know there there's yeah. a, a level of of joy in that i mean i I take photographs of every single deer that I get close to, and video footage. I, it's really important to me to document it, to capture it, and, and to me, that was the hunt. And I, but I also am hunting for the one that's going to come in that I'm looking for. You know, an individual, one particular animal. So I'm still hunting the whole time. It's not like I'm. If I was only doing just for the video, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think the feeling would be the
1: same for me i hear you there because i've always got the gun on my shoulder as well so it's you know uh, i mean greg will tell you how close i get into the deer and things and the the last road uh, a road, road buck I, is it a road buck? i've got you in on uh, greg uh yeah i mean g- g- you tell jim that story i mean we got i got you in so close you could smell his breath um bearing in mind I was still
0: a novice at the time, Jim. Um, we're talking round about yeah. 50 yards wow. and he didn't know either of us were there. And he was dropped cleaning quickly with the rifle, one shot, straight through yeah. his heart, yeah. bless him, and Perfect. down he went and he was bloody good eating as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly the, right. I mean, that's the thing that hunters and you know, countrymen, country sportsmen, you know, we, we understand that the food, you know, when we're eating meat, any description, I don't care if it's fish or a, a shrimp, a crab, a clam, you know, or a, a chicken. I mean, it it's a animal. It's a life. And, you know, we're so removed from that fact nowadays with our urban-centric world that, you know, people don't realize that that was a living, breathing animal. And we, we we get it as hunters. You know, we get it. when we we make the effort to go catch that animal, as my Inuit friends would say, and and then eat it, we know what that animal was, and we you know it's 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 uh, again a, a a respect for the the animals that we have, and it's it's not just compassion. Compassion's easy, but you know we we actually we actually make an effort you know, again, for conservation. We're benevolent. You know, there's difference between just having compassion and benevolence. Yes. And we're, we're active, actively doing something to pay back the animals that, that we eat. And you know, having compassion for them means nothing. Cause anyone can have that. You just say you have it. I feel, I feel for those animals, but what have you done for them? What have you done for those wild animals or even domestic animals that you're eating and you're, you know, Downtown New York City at your fancy restaurant—that's that's a steak, you know, an animal, whatever you know. Whether it was a pig, a cow—it doesn't matter. You know what? What did you do for animals? I, well, I care about animals. Well, that doesn't—you know—that's doesn't meaning I, 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 Hunters, and outdoorsman, countrymen we do something about it. We we put our money where no. our mouth is.
1: I had a very similar i had a very similar conversation a uh, conversation this week. Um, the funniest thing was is, is we got this thing called a right to roam over here and everybody thinks they can just wander where they like and they can't. Um, and I was up uh, a waterway that I've been looking after and, and, and nurturing. I've been doing it with the kids to teach them the art of conservation. And uh, the deal part of it is, is during the wild fowling season, they're allowed to take a couple of duck for the table through the season. Uh, but they know they've worked for them and, and they've earned to take a brace of duck for the table. Now this lady came walking up and I said, excuse me, but um, what are you doing? This is a conservation area and uh, you shouldn't be walking here with your dog. There's no public right of way. Oh, I know, I just thought I'd walk up here. So instead of like a lot of people with, shout at them and tell them to get off the land and things I actually had a conversation with her and sort of explained that this is a conservation area you've just disturbed all the native grain nesting birds you've walked right through their nesting area and, all the rest, and your dog running everywhere mm. she turned out she was a, a retired headmistress uh, and the funniest thing was is I may well now have picked up a squirrel job that I've got to go and deal with for them. so you know so explaining what we do and why we do it and what the reasoning was for is a is a much better way of educating people than like say yeah the average
2: absolutely game, sort of saying, get off my land and i guess i i should answer the third question where would um, i want to be dropped off uh, uh, you know, uh, probably you know uh, my favorite big game animal to hunt is the alaskan yukon moose in the yukon up in our you know some of the remotest country left in this planet the Rogue River Outfitting Territory that we own. Um, but, but you know, I grew up hunting white-tailed deer, so probably, you know, on our ranch out in Saskatchewan, Canada. because you know, I, I, That's what I'm most familiar with, even though I love hunting the moose in the Yukon. That's a pretty forgiving part of the world when, uh, when winter rolls around. So, I, you know, if I had to be dropped probably probably Saskatchewan and uh, where I can hunt white tailed deer for the rest of my life.
0: I'm sorry? Yeah. Sounds a good plan, yeah. Jim.
1: Yeah? Last time I was over, last time I was over in the northern part of the states there we were um we were following um bachelor uh, mule deer and that was quite good fun uh tracking those with a Cherokee Indian friend of mine and uh pitting our skills up against each other. That was something else in there and stuff that was something else I've got to admit you've got some beautiful country over there and I've got to see Canada and 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 my brother tells me it's absolutely beautiful one-tenth
2: the number of people as the United States so it's uh, you get to the right parts of Canada I mean like you say it's the last great wilderness left in the world is up in the Yukon Uh, I mean Siberia is like Grand Central Station compared to the Yukon it's pretty
1: cool. yeah and It sounds like my sort of place. That sounds like my sort of place. That would be. uh, uh well, be well. Whenever you get day
2: over day, this way, we'll, we'll we'll make great big moves
1: for you. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. If I if I do get, if I do get to Canada, I'll, uh, I'll I'll try and get in touch and hook up and just have a coffee, a beer, or just talk some stories and. um well, if you are out, out in the wilderness, it's just being there. But you never know if we could put some meat on Perfect. the table.
2: I'm, we could I'm all in. Spirit and it's a date.
1: Enjoy a feast. Yep. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds oh. fair to Midland, as we say.
2: Some woodies.
1: I'll have to bring you some places. pasties
0: over, Jim.
2: Okay, a pasty sounds not really that tasty,
0: but. <laughs> <laughs> right, you take um do you have skirt beef in America? Uh beef we have beef. Do you have skirted what, beef? What's
2: the first word you say Uh I you know honestly uh, I don't know do because you call I don't the belly I don't eat beef so. <laughs> I eat moose the the we we call it the flank I guess the belly oh. underneath or the it, it depends. <laughs> right.
0: You take, bank, you take some onion, carrot, and then we have what we call swede. Um, Rob, would do you know what swede is in America? Is it the same as the turnips? A root vegetable. Possibly.
1: Be, possibly.
3: Yeah,
1: possibly yeah. I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't It's a root vegetable, yeah. is it? But well, when you, yeah, um, it could be turnip, eat so eat, It's what it very is. orange inside.
0: Yeah, and then it's wrapped in pastry and that baked in the good. oven for about an hour, nice and slow.
1: It's actually. Uh, why don't you send him the rest reci- Why don't you send Jim the recipe, Greg? And then yep, you can translate it I'll into it mousse out, and, and instead of beef. I'll try it for sure. Yeah, that'll work. As um, my late. My latest cookbook, um, which is called Home and Away, and it's all about my travels around the world. And I've taken five recipes from every country I've visited and hunted and cooked in, and put it in uh, in the book. When pasties are in there from in Cornwall, um, but uh, well, you know, I've not got any Canadian come, recipes we'll you know, because recipes. I've not been to Canada yet. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds wonderful. I, do you know, one of the places I love to cook is around a campfire. Um, you know, you get the campfire going, you cook around the campfire, and there's a, you know, I've even cooked pasties in the campfire, and you know, get some beers going, and we can talk about, you know, the ghost stories and different stories and different things. And now that's, that's something I've learned the world over is, hunting country people. Amen to that. I love gentlemen. to sit Amen that. and tell stories. You know, so that's that's always, uh, you know. What, um, was it Sean Porter wants to come down and do one with us in it, Greg? And sit around the fire, yes. You know, uh, you'd have to, I, I won't ruin it for you, but you'll have to listen to the last fat and hairy cook, uh, roundup me and Greg and I did. Um, and I talk about uh, the big, big blonde mountain man uh, that, um, lost, that. Yeah, nearly lost his manhood to a banshee.
2: I'll, I'll follow up on it, <laughs> yep. Yep.
0: yep, exactly. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll send to over. To, uh, Todd. Jim, for
1: you, right? Yeah, well, uh, you're like me, Jim. I, I'm not too good with all the technology, technological stuff. I'm more the guy that's out in the field. So, um, but I'd love to hook up with you sometime, have a yarn, and have a Sounds chat. Good to me gentlemen. Just swap and share some a pleasure good old stories. To you tonight. Um, Greg, have you um, got any more for the gym? Because uh, obviously, we're getting up there, and we're taking off idea. a lot of his time.
0: Oh, yeah, he'll so be charging us. So.
1: <laughs> so Let's see if he can get it one? right,
0: Rob. What is the word we taught you earlier, Jim? Muckers. muckers. You, uh, we're Us what three are now muckers. What did we teach you earlier? The game with them? That's Proper the word. Proper job. job,
1: Mucker. Proper job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jim, did we this teach you to go to Grandpa, and
0: then will be like, what, cool, Grandpa? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll, um, well, my, I'll tell, you, I'll tell yeah, you, Jim, it's been, my it's been a pleasure, pleasure and an honor it's great talking to, talk to you,
2: sir. across the water like this. It has yeah, yeah, uh, indeed. Looking forward to learning more about what you're doing over there.
1: Well, um, well I'll leave it in your court. If you want to get in touch and drop me a line, say hello. Um, I won't bug you. It's, it's up to you if you want to give me a shout. And uh, we can be two old countrymen. Do you know that, that I'm going to go and look that up immediately? Yeah, because my secretary, she's been to Canada several times and she tells me how beautiful it is. And uh, I think that's one of the things I'm going to book once we get out of this yep. uh, COVID lockdown, all the rest we can travel.
2: Great. Well, like I say, I'll I keep up be you know, future
1: you. Oh, that's a, make sure you got one of those nice little coolers that you can hold on yep, with the, the cozy. ones that slide over them. the bottles it stops them getting warm <laughs> Cozies that's it Cozies I couldn't remember the name yeah. I've got two or three upstairs from when I was with the booze fighters down in Texas um, I keep forgetting the name of them but, so there you go Greg have you got any more questions for um, Jim there or because uh, we've taken up over an hour and a half of his time now eh?
0: No, nope, just a very big thank you to the big man himself. Oh, I've got one question. Mister Smith posted a picture the other day from Shot Show back a well, while I think ago. the question you he only ask came is to your neighbour. How out? you,
2: Jim? Because I, I think, yeah, I think I think he's. Uh, oh, I know. Yeah, short sure he is. What he's one. So <laughs> <I'm> definitely <laughs> vertically challenged. Yeah, there you go. But yeah,
1: no, I, we call well, him a I'm short. Over 6'3". <laughs> Do you know do
3: you, do you... So, so
2: what are you right taller than me then yeah well like I said yeah I'm just an is, angry dwarf you'd be about four foot six I think by the picture huh. yeah, yeah, there you go
3: <laughs> and that, and, and that, well, four I foot healed, six in a out.
1: cigarette packet <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, do, do <laughs> you know, what I, did? I even, I even had some uh, beer mats in my yeah. boot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do you know, it's been, do you know, do you and I have very similar um, language in colloquialisms like pleasure and honor, and uh, you know, vertically challenged. That's what I say to my brother. He's yeah. a vertically challenged. Uh, so we we sound very similar. I, I, I look forward Sounds to the day. To you and I John. actually have, meet, have in the flesh, shake hands, and have a good old yarn. You betcha. Have a good And evening. you, Jim.
0: Thank you very much. You bet, Mucker. Cheers, Greg. I'll catch you on the flip side. Catch you later, Marker. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.